The House of Roll journeys far and wide to bring you exceptional quality kitchen and bath fixtures. In all of this, you'll see the details of your own story. The story of a life well-crafted. Welcome to the House of Roll. The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? This is my Time for populism with a purpose. Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician, and she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. And good morning. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. Well, today's the big day. It's Super Bowl Sunday. After a federal court refused to intervene, it'll be the Rams versus the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Played in Atlanta this afternoon. Thank God it has stopped snowing in Atlanta. Yes, two Saints fans were angry enough about the very... uh, the oft-repeated blown call uh, that probably cost the Saints a trip to the Super Bowl, that they actually uh, created a federal lawsuit, took it to federal district court in an effort to replay the game, but the court said it didn't have any jurisdiction. So today we will have the battle of the California quarterbacks. San Mateo's Tom Brady, who elected to go to Notre Dame, um, we'll battle uh, Jared Goff, who is from Novato and um, and played for my alma mater, the University of California at Berkeley. Actually, um, Brady played at Michigan. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Michigan. I'm wrong. Yeah. You're right. I'm wrong. Ooh. Well, I hope that isn't karma for the day, although uh, my allegiances need to be uh, need need to be directed in a different. Uh, direction today. Ooh, you're right. He did go to Michigan. I don't know why I wrote Notre Dame down here. Anyway, the Patriots are favored by two and a half points. I'm trying to figure out how the uh, referees will be able to award them a half point. Um, So I think that's the bookies uh, covering their bets. Still, the best thing about today's game may be the color commentary by former Dallas quarterback Tony Romo, who has truly found his calling in the broadcast booth. You know, he predicted 16 of the last 18 plays between the Patriots and the Chiefs correctly, and the two that that he predicted incorrectly were blown plays. Now, if only he had done that on the football field... He'd be a um, you know a a uh, first time um, uh, uh, entry into the Hall of Fame, but um, I think they call, they call him uh, Romo Stradamus. Yes, yes, but it, it's amazing. It's uncanny. It and he's having such a good time. Yeah, and he's 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 a he's an entertaining guy. He is. 
I, I think I really think he found his calling in the broadcast yeah. booth that that's where he should have been all along. I'm glad I'm glad he's doing the Super Bowl. And uh, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, I'm sure there's a betting line in Vegas on an over under on how many calls he he predicts correctly during the game. I don't know what that is, but I'm, I'm sure they put a betting line on the most ridiculous things for the Super Bowl. So I'm sure that's one of them. I'm sure we may have to go look that up. But uh, in the meantime, while you're preparing the buffalo wings and the guacamole, or in my case, um, it's going to be a salad to go with five pizzas. Um, <clears throat> let's chat about the week that was in terms of government and the halls, the halls of our government and American politics. And it was pretty much a week that passes for what is now normal in American politics. Newly elected Florida Senator Rick Scott wrote in the Washington Post on Friday, and I'm going to quote here, I've been a U.S. senator for three weeks now, and I can tell you that reports of hate and incompetence in Washington are severely understated. Things are actually much worse than they appear. Comforting, isn't it? Scott has identified in that comment the genesis and the consequence of a professional political class that's in bed with a media industry for their mutual fun and profit, not yours and mine. My purpose is different. I've come to inform you, to give you information that will enable you to make an independent judgment on current events and to encourage you to act on that judgment because that's how we're going to change this circus in Washington and Sacramento and sometimes in San Jose um, and other places around the state. As a businesswoman, I focus a lot on the numbers. So in the numbers this week, $11 billion hit to the economy. That's what a 35-day shutdown of the government shaved off economic growth in the fourth quarter of 2018 and the first quarter of 2019. 304,000 new jobs were added to the economy last month. That's a sign that the economy is doing well enough for the moment. But let's take just a moment this morning to look inside of those numbers for some clues about the future. 254 pounds of fentanyl seized through the alert work of Border Patrol agents at the Nogales, Arizona port of entry. 254 pounds of fentanyl. I'm going to repeat that. Two tons of cocaine, the biggest drug bust in Italy's in Italy in the last 25 years, occurred on the same day by coincidence. $60 billion is what the Chinese have invested in Venezuela. Two new tell-all books about Trump were published this week. I only read one of them. $209 billion is the first shot in the California state budget. And you know what? I keep putting it here every week and we keep running out of time, but we will get to it before the May revised. But before we tackle all of what happened in this last week, I want to take a moment to go back to the end of last week's show 
If you missed it, we had Eric Early, the only real attorney to run for attorney general in 2018, on to talk about California um, California putting at risk your constitutional guarantee to one person, one vote. It's really an interesting conversation, and you can find it on the radio hour at reimagineamerica.org. But... <clears throat> The last couple of minutes that Eric and I spent together touched on a lawsuit he has recently filed against the Santa Barbara School Board over diversity training for teachers and students. It has to be heard to be believed. I was shocked then, shocked again, when I read the table of oppressions Santa Barbara school children are being exposed to. And we're going to play that for you right now and then ask you for your thoughts and your opinion after we've played it. I was contacted by a group of concerned Santa Barbara residents who uh, who retained me to file a lawsuit against Santa Barbara Unified School District and an outfit called Just Community Central Coast. Just Community Central Coast is one of these far-left sort of social warrior, community organizing, uh, outrageous organizations that follow the Alinsky playbook of basically how to undermine a democracy. They would never admit to that, but that's the way that playbook goes. And these folks were hired to do what's called uh, implicit or unconscious bias training to the teachers and students of the Santa Barbara Unified School District. A couple parents had gone to these, uh, to these um, classes and, got, and found out that when they got there, if they were Caucasian, they were singled out and they, they were basically, they were singled out from everybody else and they were told that basically they were the reason for all the problems uh, that's affecting everybody else in this uh, state. And then you look at the, the paperwork that was handed out by this Just Community Central Coast and the only, they accuse all uh, white people are racist, and only white people can be racist, and white people are oppressors, and uh, and Christians are oppressors, and all others are the oppressed, and uh, and on and on like this, uh, just just outrageous, over the top stuff that in and of itself is incredibly racist against uh, you know white people, and so. Uh, a, an organization was formed called Fair Education Santa Barbara. I represent them. We bring in this lawsuit on behalf of all races, creeds, colors, nationalities, sexual orientation. We don't want to see discrimination up there. And this, this, this Santa Barbara Unified School District appears more than happy to hire an organization to teach the young and vulnerable minds how to, uh, how to discriminate against uh, one race of people. So that lawsuit was filed. Uh, in federal court in Los Angeles a couple weeks ago, and it's just uh, starting to get off the ground. Seriously, repeat this. Caucasians are singled out oh, yeah. as there's, the oppressors? Oh, yeah. There's there's a chart in their materials, and we copied this chart, and we put it right in the complaint, which is a document we used to, you know, you start to file the lawsuit, mm-hmm. which has these columns. And uh, uh, one column says privilege group, one column says target group, uh, and, the, and the privilege group is uh, white people. The target group is all others. Uh, the privilege group are all Christians. The target group is all others. The privilege group is males. Target group is all others. And 
we've had people tell us that they went to a class, they were separated out because they were white, they were told, you are all racist. And, and these people said, no, we are not racist. And then they're told, well, you, you're racist, you just don't know you're a racist. And, and the more you fight back, the more they, uh, they come after you and tell you what's wrong with you. And, and so you've got kids now in these districts being taught this stuff. And, and this is just creating another, it's, it's more this victimization it doesn't focus on the uh, on whether or not these uh, these 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 so-called uh, oppressed groups are learning the English language or not. Many of them uh, are not. It doesn't focus on the attention uh, and detail given by the families to to these kids to learn as much as they can, and 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 on and on. It just wants to create a victim class, and uh, you know. And I've been many people have reached out to me about this lawsuit, including many. Uh, Hispanic Americans who are just very angry at at what they're doing up there in Santa Barbara because they don't support creating uh, turning uh, turning people into victims, and so it's a big problem up there. And I'll tell you what's going on in Santa Barbara uh, would just shock many of your listeners. There's just been something else that's gone on at the Santa Monica Community College. I know we're running out of time, but. It's, it's, it's shocking what's happening up I, there, and it's got to be stopped. Well, what do you think about that? And we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy. And we're back with Roger. Good morning, Roger. Yes, I was just calling in. I had I had never heard your radio show. I was listening to it today. And uh, I'm in Sacramento, and I was just listening at the Santa Barbara District. I think he mentioned Santa mm-hmm. Monica Junior College. And it's interesting because as a, a black man in America, it, it always fascinates me when a district tries to focus in on racism depending on how they approach it and how, uh, well, let's say Caucasians, they get angry when you have to focus in on the institutionalized racism effects. That's that's what I look at, the actual institutionalized. And I think it should be discussed just how they do it is another thing. Well, I agree with you. I, I think there is institutional racism. Um, I also think that a lot of us work hard at at making sure that we're supporting the uh, initiatives that will will that should eliminate institutional racism. I will also agree with you um, being old enough to have to remember as a teenager watching Martin Luther King talk about uh, on the Lincoln steps that we should not in 2019 have to deal with institutional racism anymore. Um, but, but I think it's, a, it's also, um, you know, your perspective um, is, is interesting and different. And so I'd, I'd like you to expand a little on what you, you know, when you use the term institutional racism, you know, how does that impact you? Well, in many ways, I'm I'm a uh, I'm self-employed now. I'm a baby boomer and proud to say it. And at 
same time, when, you know, for instance, I own a small business, there's practices that have been going on forever. They call it the good old boy system. Mm-hmm. It's, called bid, it's called bid rigging and bid peddling. And so that that's a practice where people on the inside could literally block people from bidding just based on color. That's that's called institutionalized racism. I don't care which way you look at it from that, that point of view. I've experienced that. But I don't teach uh, hatred to my children and grandchildren. I try to teach them, try not to do this type of thing when you get older. I... It's taught at home. I believe that. it's When a baby is born, you know, I have grandchildren. When you go to a fraternity ward, you, you don't hear racist terms coming from all those different babies. They're just in there crying or hungry or whatever. <laughs> so they have to be taught that. It's not genetic. Yeah, there is a line... You know, there's a line in the old, uh, I too am a baby boomer, so so we can fess up that we've seen a few mus- musicals in our life, but there's a line in, in the musical South Pacific that says, you have to be taught to hate before you're six or seven or eight. And, and I, as a grandmother also, I'm, I'm surprised at some of the racism, because, you know, here in Silicon Valley, they're all mixed up, um, but but you do see um, even among the kids uh, jokes and so forth that I think um, don't help us to be a more diverse, a more accepting diverse society. And do you see that as well in your grandchildren? Or are they still too young? <laughs> well, no, they're you know they're they're old enough. To, to know or to feel the pain of something that is said. You know, children can be cruel just because they're young and immature. But when it comes to watching their parents and grandparents, that's who they emulate. That's who they look up to. And so with mine, I, I hear their stories and their pain when, when they talk to me. But I always teach them... Uh, you know, don't hate anyone, you know, just try to learn from that and what causes that. Because when you look at the adults, so-called adults now, as a baby boomer, I don't remember the animosity in the public like it is now. Maybe it's social media that brought it out. I think but I remember in the 60s and 70s, people tried to... Most people tried to talk to each other. I think you're absolutely right. I, I remember, um, you know, people being very, um, very open and comfortable with one another. And you know, I have friends. I'm I'm Caucasian, but I I'm Jewish. <laughs> I get my share. Trust me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and and um, but I've had friends, you know, since high since college. Um, who are of all use, et cetera, and it it doesn't it never became a subject in our conversations. It never was an issue in the way that it is now. I personally think that it's a generation that's dying off that really believed what you're seeing a uh, an openness to. I mean, I just saw something in Virginia 
and it's, it doesn't matter if it's Democrat or Republican, but I know what I saw, and as a person who graduated from a university in the 70s, no yearbook gets released without somebody overseeing it. Some sort of, you know, I know the yearbooks that we had, anything that was in there was like they had some kind of review. And with all of the technology, they should have been able to to decipher this guy in Virginia. Now he's he's caught in a in a pickle, and at the same time, he's denying that he's the one in the photos. And there's two different photos that cover his face. So you've got some really mean-spirited people out there, and it's it's up really to the youth to hopefully wake up and and discard all of what their parents and grandparents are teaching them and, and try to go into another another level. That's going to be difficult for them, too, you know. Yes. Well, Hank, can you hang on for a second? Because we really do have to go pay the bills here. And yeah. If you can hang on for just a minute, we're, I want to fin- continue this conversation. Okay. Back to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back. And we're going to continue our conversation with Roger because I think he's making really important points um, from a point of view, uh, from, you know, from a point of view of having watched this over along this situation with uh, so-called um, institutional racism over a long period of time. So I guess, Roger, the, the thing that I want to focus on is how do we change the dynamic? Is, is telling all white people that they are implicitly racist whether they are or not? Um, oh, no. Is that a no. solution? Well, uh, your name is Joyce? Yep. Okay, Joyce, first of all, I had never heard of your show till today. We own a, this is a perfect, and I won't forget your question. We actually own a cheesecake company in Sacramento. And I'm going to leave you our phone number before you go on to the next uh, speaker. But to get back to your your question, of course, all white people are not one way. All black people are not one way. All Hispanic, nobody's all one way. But people have to admit that there have been some terrible things done oh, yes. to people of color. And so, of course, people of color are going to be sensitive when they even sense that that's going on. So I think Caucasians as a whole should try to try to realize, just think if it had happened to you or it's happening to you now by saying that, okay, this implicit bias, everyone is bad that's white. That's wrong. That continues racism to say that. Actually, it, it causes hostility. I think you're absolutely so my, right. My, my suggestion is what I just said, and when you get time, I'll leave you the information, because I was actually cooking cheesecake for the Super Bowl and came across your Imagine America. I like this station. <laughs> Thank you. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're always looking for new listeners. Because I agree with you that, that this is a, sol- a, a problem that gets solved person by person, you know, but it doesn't get solved by, by identifying people by one saying one thing. 
I mean, we've all had no. different experiences along the way. We all got here different ways. We're all immigrants at one point or another. Um, True. Whether whether by 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 choice or otherwise. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I think it's really important that we talk about diversity, that we talk about honestly about history, you know, that we talk about um, about slavery. We talk about Jim Crow and we talk about the progress we've made beyond that and, and not I, I think it's been in the last decade, maybe that we've we've put so much focus on. Um, color before character. I, I don't think Martin Luther King would be happy about the way in which we've evolved on this issue. Do you? Well, he's he's always brought up as a uh, a standard, and so I've always admired him. I, being a baby boomer, you know, I was I think I was ten when he was assassinated. Mm -hmm. So when you're in elementary school and you see someone like that who seemed to be peaceful as a 10-year-old. I said, wow, that guy was really trying to be peaceful, and they killed him because he was trying to help sanitation workers who were being discriminated against regarding their pay versus the other sanitation workers. So he was in the middle of that and got killed. So I've always admired his uh, integrity and character, and that's why he's well thought of throughout the I and 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 I'm you know I'm about I'm a little bit older than that so um, I was probably well, you're a baby boomer so I'm I, a baby I, I have much I have much respect for you I have a baby boomer. I'm a baby boomer and I remember listening watching him on television at the Lincoln Memorial talking about wanting his children to be judged by the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. And I think that's what we need to be focusing on when we talk about diversity. Um, yeah. We have to see each other as individuals. So, you know, I got to tell you, I am have really enjoyed this conversation, and I've got um, to move on to another caller. But, okay. You know, Is it possible that I can leave you uh, my contact information? Sure. We do have a cheesecake company in Sacramento, California. Uh, I'm going to have Vince pick pick that up off the air okay. while we move on was, to the it was because an honor. It was an honor, Joyce, uh, exchanging ideas with a baby boomer. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for the call. I really enjoyed your your insight, and and I think I think you bring um, an important insight when you point to institutional racism because, I mean, it's there. And each of us has to be aware of it, but we're going to solve this problem one person at a time, not through um, victimization. True. And so have a wonderful Super Bowl. Who are you going to root for? Yeah, I mean, well, being a California native, I got to go with the Rams, but I'm really for the 49ers. <laughs> yeah, go go Niners. And they're $21 yeah. million quarterback sitting on the bench. <laughs> right. I miss Joe, Man Joe Manzana today. <laughs> yeah, I I think you're right. Um, let's let's go to break. Vince is going to get your contact information. I really would like to talk to you offline, and we're going to go to a break. And we've got another caller when we come back. Okay, and thank you. Thank you.
listening to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy. And we're back, and we have um, another caller on the line. Um, Vince is is, uh, is doing something with that. Um, if you have a if you have a comment you want to make, 888-367-5329. Hi, Antonio. Haven't talked to you for a while. Right. Uh, yes, uh, I was listening to your conversation with this guy, Roger, and uh, it reminds me that... Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how these so-called people of color never acknowledge that there are racist of color. Take, for example, the Mexicans. The Mexicans call themselves La Raza. It's and they, in the United States, even have an organization, national level, National Council of La Raza. They have La Raza clinics, they have La Raza, and La Raza means the race. Then you have the NAACP, NAACP, a black organization for colored people. So imagine if they were in this country, somebody who formed an organization called the uh, National Organization for White People. Imagine what would happen, what would, what would be the brouhaha in, in the media. But all these... Uh, organizations specific about some specific race, the so-called people of color, <laughs> there is nothing about that. That's totally acceptable. And I, I find it really outrageous. It's, it's something that cannot be tolerated. And talking about schools that you started with, that's what is actually uh, taught. Um, I I think that some of that is yes I, I i think there are issues with um but i don't think belonging to an organization um like the nc um the n double the national association of colored people um is uh, by the way white people can belong to it i i don't know about la raza but but i know a lot of caucasians who are members i i'm a member of the southern um, poverty leadership con, uh, council because I think the work they do against discrimination is important. Um, but you make an excellent point that um, organization anywhere it, it is I think implicit now in law under the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Um, <clears throat> you could have all white groups, but they would be private. Um, and you know the point the point is. Um, the purposes are different. You know, I I think um, I think the um, approach that George W. Bush took to education, um, the uh, as he called it, you know, the dis- discrimination through low expectations, um, is is an important part of solving the problem. Is to help all boats rise rather than saying. My boat versus your boat. If we all work together, if we all looked at the content of the of the individual across the table's character rather than the color of their skin, um, that we would 
um, find uh, we would find that we could uh, find ways to innovate and and rise and help all boats rise because in in many respects as Rogers uh, experience as a small businessman points out um, we're fighting not just racism but but tendencies of tribalism in other words you know the old boys network hey as a woman who's been an, an independent businesswoman let me tell you I know about the old the old um, the old boys network really well as well um, the point is how do we overcome that one one person at a time or by by public funds being used to teach um, impressionable young children that all white people are by nature racist and oppressor and oppressors yeah well i i if you look at the reality you can see how uh how the label of uh racist is attached to anybody who disagrees on any issue whatever it is uh and you oppose something on the merits of the proposal and and if you are you are not uh, uh, you are not with them then you are racist or you are this or you are that these labels are attached uh, right and left all over the place and uh, and that's the, the the end of the dialogue you know I think it's not, there's no dialogue that's a reality I think you're absolutely right and speaking of di- of dialogue. It was good to hear from you, and I got to run because I have another caller. Yes, we have Pam now on the line. Hi, Pam. How are you? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now I can hear you. Okay. I had to pull over the side of the road. Oh, wow. Where are you driving from and to? Uh, I, I live in, um, well, Discovery Bay. I, I don't even know where I'm calling. I, I actually just picked you up on the radio. I'm not normally listening to the radio on Sunday morning. Oh, well, this is this is in Fremont, so um, oh, okay. you know, I, I come from Silicon Valley, so um, oh. so you, you, you picked it up on the radio and you thought it was... I picked it up on the radio and I thought, you know, I am a Caucasian female. I'm 54 years old. I have a 29-year-old son and um, this topic is is very concerning to me because we, uh, as Caucasians, grew up, and, and I thought that we had come to some resolve with people of other nationalities, I guess, if you want to say that. But I, I, um, I thought that we had, were getting along fine and progressing as a, as a country. And then to hear what you said this morning, or, you know, what I heard on the radio set me off because. Because? Uh, Looks like we lost her. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, Maybe she'll call us back. Pam, if you're listening, call us back. And in the meantime, we're going to move on um, because we have whole lot of stuff to talk about not very much time so let's talk 
really briefly about the U.S. economy. Uh, at 304,000 jobs last month is a great number, especially because of the shutdown. Um, and what it shows is that this economy still has elasticity and resilience in it. And that absorbing the shutdown while growing jobs, I mean, that's extremely, um, that's very reassuring. So based on previous months, um, that number may get revised down slightly, what we saw. Um, but, but here's the bottom line good news. You take those December and January numbers into account. We have had 100 months of consecutive job growth. We're absorbing more and more people into the economy, and that is extremely healthy. Unemployment did itch, inch up to 4%, but I think that reflects both more discouraged workers entering the job market and the fact that um, unemployment benefits were extended to some of the workers affected by the shutdowns in some states. Here in California, we did that. Um, but the less good news... The less good news in that in those numbers is remember, a job is a job. It doesn't it doesn't discriminate between full time and part time, and it doesn't discriminate between um, you know high wage and low wage jobs. That top line number. So we found in the survey, eight point one percent of people who are working were working part time, who wanted to be working full time. And so the chronic underemployment of those people continues to be a drag on the economy. So, uh, and we, but we also have to have to understand that in that in that high number uh, that we saw this month are are some uh, furloughed government workers who actually got double counted. So my expectation is that the average, the twelve month running average in two thousand eight was about was about. 223,000 new jobs every month, and that's kind of a knock on wood. Um, I think we'll see that. So economists are cautioning that there are some signs that we shouldn't get over exuberant and extend ourselves too far, um, that we should expect a relatively stable but slow, uh, slowing economy um, in 2019, we're seeing that in housing prices. They're continuing to decline even in this area. Uh, that is kind of a relative statement, isn't it? Um, but we are seeing uh, housing, you know, the market cooling. Um, and earnings forecasts for major companies have been cautious and capital investment has been slowing. So, and General Motors, as you know, will start to lay off um, 4,000 salaried workers in the U.S., most of them in Canada this week, as part of a reorganization that will affect about 20,000 people. And there is now talk that Ford will slash its workforce by a similar number. So I think all in all, we need to say um, that the economy is, is doing better than any other economy in the world right now. But it's not time to be cavalier about the future, nor is it a time to panic about the future. It will be a little bit slower in 2019 or, 20, or 2020, 
but it won't be like 2008. We're not going to have another big recession. We're going to have a reset, not a calamity. And we're going to go take a commercial break, and we'll be back with some closing thoughts. Back to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back. And Vince is going to give you Roger's contact information for some really great cheesecake. Yes. I uh, spoke with Roger and his gourmet cheesecakes uh, you can find at To The Bay and Back Cheesecake. That's to the bay and back cheesecake.com. And I'm looking at the website, and there are some very delicious looking cheesecakes. There's like a, oh wow, like a layered chocolate cheesecake, and it looks like a pineapple cheesecake. So, yeah, check, check out Roger's uh, website. It's to the bay and back cheesecake.com. And thanks again to Roger for uh, calling in and, and sharing his thoughts. And it, it that does that chocolate sounds yummy. Uh, and one question is it to the bay TO or to the bay number two? Correct. It's to spelt out TO, TO oh. the bay and back cheesecake. All one word, no numerals. To the Bay and Back Cheesecake.com. Okay. Roger, thanks again. We have about, ooh, two minutes to say, um, to tell you um, one of the things that you're going to hear about in the State of the Union message border security. Well, This week, the Border Patrol and Customs Enforcement agents of the Mariposa Crossing and go, oh, God, someday I'll tell you about the Mariposa Crossing. I know it really well from my days at Unisys and the Michaela Dora. Um, But in the moment that we have left, we need to congratulate those agents and we need to use their success to point to why funding for border security improve uh, technology improvements at the port of entries is so important this past thursday they caught a truck full of cucumbers carrying 254 pounds of fentanyl and 150 pounds of of uh, amphetamines it was hidden in a false bottom and and it For whatever reason, it was pulled over for secondary screening. They scanned the truck. They said something weird about that floor. They sent the dog in, and the dog went right through the cucumbers to the drugs. 254 pounds of fentanyl didn't make it into the U.S. And the Border Patrol um, medical team believes that that highly, highly potent fentanyl had the potential to kill as many as 121 million people. So when you hear about border security, a really important part of what Congress must fund is enough scanning equipment to make sure that every single truck that goes through Mariposa and any other port of entry 
get scanned for false bottoms and other sorts of um, malfeasance. Uh, We also need to say on the same day, coincidentally, in Genoa, Italy, Italian authorities found two tons of cocaine worth $500 million being transshipped to Barcelona, Spain from, drumroll please, Honduras. So congratulations to International Drug Enforcement. They had a really good week. And you're going to hear about that in the State of the Union. And in the moments we've got left, you know what we have? We have the betting line on Tony Romo's predictions for today's Super Bowl. Yes, yes. I found the over-under on how many plays Tony Romo will correctly predict. Uh, And the over-under is 7.5. So that means if... You take the over, and he c- correctly predicts eight plays, you win. And if you take the under, and he predicts seven plays, you win. And you actually were pretty spot on, um, Joyce, about his, uh, his him finding his true calling as an announcer, because apparently he, he's uh, made 72 play predictions so far this season and gotten them... Uh, 68% of the time correct. And uh, statistically, that means he's better at predicting predicting NFL plays than he was completing passes. Uh, during his playing career, he had a completion percentage of 65.3%. Yes, I know. I followed his career. When I don't re- root for the Niners, I do re- root for Dallas. <laughs> I'm, I'm well aware of it. All right, so we've got 30 seconds. Let me tell you, we've got guests lined up for the next few weeks. You know, we're going to have our own Craig Roberts on one uh, one Sunday soon. Um, We're going to talk about cyber and cybersecurity. And uh, we're also going to talk about third parties and the 2020 election. And we will talk with you next week. And remember... Reimagine America is absolutely nonprofit and donations are appreciated. Reimagineamerica.org. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>